all of us are experts at identifying the rabble-rousers and the troublemakers around us, whether it's at work, <clears throat> in the classroom, in our family gatherings, a civic club, the political arena, and yes, even here at church. We know them by the destabilizing influences they bring and the sometimes hurtful things they say and do. We're somewhat less expert, however, at noticing when we ourselves engage in that same behavior. We often fail to realize that those same people are we ourselves. Years ago, there was a comic strip philosopher called Pogo. And Pogo used to say, we have met the enemy and he is us. Now last week, you heard the Reverend Linda Brown say that the gospel reading for that Sunday was especially difficult and that she would really rather pass over it. Well, I'll tell you today I'm going to echo the same sentiment. This selection from Matthew is very challenging, and the prevailing scholarship on this has evolved over the centuries. Um, to some, this is a scripture about church discipline, a topic that's rarely been discussed by mainline Protestants or most Roman Catholics, really since the days of the Reformation. I used to live in West Texas many years ago, and there were a group of Christians out there that from time to time would expel one of their members. And the expression they used for that is, we're going to church them. If you got churched, you were expelled. But what we're going to do today is we're going to set a different perspective on what Jesus is really saying to us. To be able to do this, you have to look at the entire context of the, of the reading. You really need to read before and after. Now we know the scripture confirms for us that Jesus is the ultimate expression of the love that is God. He was sent to intervene into time and into our world to liberate all of humanity from sin and death through his own self-sacrifice. By this we know that God loves all of humanity, even down to the very last person. We also know that Jesus was especially concerned with the margins of society, with the least of these, our brothers and sisters. Matthew records Jesus as telling that it is better to tie a millstone around your neck and jump in the ocean than to cause a little one to stumble. That's also in Matthew 18. Also in Matthew 18... He says that it is better to leave 99 sheep on the mountain than to lose a little one. Later on, Matthew has Jesus saying in the 25th chapter that he, whatever we do to one of the least of these, you also do to me. Indeed, if we read a few verses farther in the gospel, Peter asked Jesus how many times we should forgive those who offend us. As many as the Old Testament required seven times? And Jesus replies that we should forgive 70 times, which is to say your forgiveness should be unlimited. So what do we make of all this binding and loosing and treating those who offend us as they would people who were at the very bottom of the social standing of Jewish society at the time of Jesus? that is, as Gentiles and tax collectors, people who are 
outside the community of faith. Remember also that the Gospel writer Matthew was himself a redeemed and reformed tax collector, called by Jesus to abandon his former life and become a disciple. Now this is one of the few times in the New Testament where the word church or ecclesia is used. Remember that church, the body of believers bound by faith to be to the crucified and risen Jesus, was a future event at the time of this teaching of Jesus. So here we see Matthew, the gospel writer, expressing some deep concerns about the community of which he was a part. Jesus is reminding the faithful of the great power they wield by the fact that God will move among us, the believers. And with this great power comes equally great responsibility. Jesus is telling us that in this community in which God moves among us, that this association of faithful believers must be preserved and protected from the human folly of bitterness and rancor and strife. Unresolved conflicts should not happen in a closed setting where innuendo or rumor or gossip can have their corrosive effects and where such talk can overpower those who are weak or less able among us. Compassion and forgiveness must always be the rule of the day. But unfortunately, there are those who choose to stand outside the precepts of our faith. There are those who dismiss the gift of salvation that God has given us in Jesus. There are those who deliberately choose to be unbelievers and go down the path of spreading dissension and conflict wherever they go. These are the ones to whom we must, from whom we must separate for the essential purpose of preserving our community of faith, the church of our Lord Jesus. And that separation even when it occurs in the modern context of informality and voluntary disassociation, has eternal consequences. It cannot be taken lightly. But all of this has an additional aspect, one that is just as profound. You see, my friends, we bind and loose by the Christian witness we make through the living of our lives. When we think of all this in contemporary terms, we see that we bind and loose every day by our own actions. We do this by the friends we choose, by the places we choose to live, by the schools to which we send to send our children, by the way we treat other people. We bind and loose when we gossip or tell tales or unconfirmed stories. We bind and loose when we look down on others and when we ignore the poor, the ignorant, the sick, the weak, or the lonely. We bind and loose when we smugly think to ourselves that we have a much more enlightened approach to the gospel of our Lord and even in our innermost thoughts when we believe that we somehow have found a path to salvation that is superior to the way some of our Christians understand the gospel. We bind and loose when we fail the forgiveness test of Jesus, and when we do not reconcile with those for whom we feel resentment or hurt or anger or even indifference. Perhaps most significantly, in so doing, 
we bind and loose ourselves. And all of this has eternal consequences. It can be injurious to the community of faith and to us. But now, as always, there's good news in this. The good news is that Jesus always gives us hope. There's always good news. Jesus promises here that when two or three are gathered together in his name, that he will be in the midst of them. The church is the church precisely because the body of believers includes all kinds of people, every type and kind, and they exhibit all the behaviors that Jesus describes here. It falls to us then, as followers of Jesus, to do our utmost to preserve and defend this body we know as the church, and to do so in a spirit and in accordance with the teachings of love and forgiveness love and forgiveness lessons that our Lord has given to us. And in this effort, as he has promised, he will be always among us. Amen.